I'm Rachel Hollis, and I've built a multi-million dollar media company with a high school diploma and the free information I found on the internet. In the 15 years that I've been building and scaling my company, I have become deeply passionate about helping other entrepreneurs to do the same. So each week, I'll be sharing tangible and tactical advice and inspiring interviews with the same intention. These are the tools to change your life and your business. This is the Rise Podcast. So I want to talk about the new book. I want to talk about your podcast, but I mostly just want to have a conversation about life in quarantine, life in the climate that we're living in, just anything that's on your heart you want to talk about, like, let's dig into your life, my life, like the reality of the situation. I think it's, um, I was laughing right before, um, we got on this podcast. I got a, a message from someone you and I both know, I'm not going to say their name on here, but it's really interesting. Um, people's response to you, me going through a very public hard thing and, in, in uh, this breakup and just sort of the different ways that people responded to it. And I was just curious. It was funny because I knew I was going to be talking to you today and I was like, Oh, I wonder how this mirrors what it went like to what, it, what it felt like for you to go through coming out of the NFL and kind of like, who were those people that you thought like, oh, these were these are my real friends and then crickets or people who kind of reacted differently than you thought when you go through something hard? And if that's an experience that you've had before. You know, a lot of my content is based around like when you lose things because uh, it taught me a lot. Um, it taught me a lot about, you know, who was real. It taught me a lot about, you know, who cared about certain things. Uh, and I always have said this, like, when you hit rock bottom, you're going to see what's real and who's real in your life. And that exposed a lot for me. And I started to realize like, okay, there's this group of people who, who love me for who I am, right? Like it doesn't matter what's tied to my name. It doesn't matter, you know, what I go through. They love me for who I am. And then there was another group that I realized loved me for what I did and who mm -hmm. I was. And I knew if I lost that, then I would lose a lot of people. I always say when the benefits ends, that's when you that's when some people's loyalty stops. And so that prepared me a lot for like what I do now. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. it was hard. I mean, I was disappointed. I was upset. And it was just it was just a weird space in my life, for sure. I think that um, I've been surprised by people who have reached out, I think, primary felt like a there was a there was a like a group of people who were reaching out really just almost from like a gossip perspective they really just wanted to yeah. have the inside scoop or like know what was going on and then I was really surprised by people who reached out sort of in opposition like oh you shouldn't be doing this like here you know this is who you should call you could and it's like you don't know my life or my story and so that feels you don't know the two of us the way we know each other, my husband and I. And so it felt, um, that felt deeply hurtful. Cause I'm like, God, man, the, that you think that, you know, and can tell someone else how to live their life or what's best for them feels wild. It's crazy. You have people tell you like, yes. that's crazy. like I, and I, for the first time in my life, cause I'm, I'm not very good at, um, confrontation. 
Um, and probably this is like me not being good at confrontation, but I just block people. Like when people wrote stuff that I thought was inappropriate, I literally was just like, I did not ever need to receive a call or a text from you again. Um, but then I also, the pushback from the community. Now, this is something I know you've experienced in your career of doing something that your community perceives as not what they want to hear from you. Um, and the, you know, even today I posted about the book and it's a really freaking weird time to be launching a book. If this wouldn't have been my choice, but you know how these things work. You don't get to just decide, Oh, you know what? Actually I am changing my launch date and that's not how publishing works. There's so much money yeah. <laughs> and people's effort that goes into this thing. And so even in announcing the book, there were people immediately who are just like, I'm so disappointed in you. Like you've let me down all these things about my divorce, let you a stranger down feels crazy. Yeah. And I know I've seen you get this backlash when you have spoken up about racial inequality or Black Lives Matter or any of those things that your community will push back. So like, oh, like, can you speak to that a little bit? And yeah. I know there are times where it's been a big deal for you to be like, no, screw you guys. I'm going to speak my truth. This is just the truth. Um, and I've learned this just with my community, just people in general. The majority of people, and I had to learn this early on, is that people are there for what they want from you, right? And as soon as you stop giving them what they want, then it's a problem, right? And so I made up my mind a while ago that I'm gonna always do what's honest for me and what's real for me. And if you don't like it, then there's always an unfollow button. But I'm not, <laughs> I'm not gonna like, I'm not gonna drive myself crazy or live in a prison to please other people. Mm -hmm. Like I've done that before because this is just the reality. Those same people that you're trying to please are the same people that won't be there if everything falls apart. Right. And so there's a group of people that's going to ride with you no matter what and understands that, you know, you're going to go through hard times, understands that you're going to, you know, maybe say some things that go against. But I always tell my community, you know my heart. You mm -hmm. know how I serve. You know what I stand for. You know who I am. And this is what I believe. And so uh, that's always helped me. But I am surprised at times when people, like I'll put out like the United States of America, right? I did that probably like two years ago. Mm -hmm, and I some of you, I'm not following no more. I can't believe it. And I'm just like, why is this a surprise that this is like what I believe in? I've always right. talked about like the right thing. So um, that's the thing they taught me though. People, at the end of the day, there's very few people. Once you stop giving someone what they need from you, then they'll, they'll dismiss you. And it's mm. just, that's just how the world works. How has it felt for you inside of like the last four or five months? I had this conversation with uh, Lisa Bilyeu the other day about what it feels like to be a creator on social media in the environment that we're living in. So like we went into quarantine and then people were on their phones more than ever and they're sort of looking for guidance. And then we see the world like, oh. God, like we're still in this state of racial injustice and the like how gross that gets on social and the place that people take that to and the reality is the closer we get to the election the worse this is going to become like the more divisive it's going to become how has it felt for you to be creating in that space right now are you creating in that space yeah, yeah are you leaning into it or what are you doing 
Yeah, so it was tough at first. Uh, you know, I think quarantine, I think for us, everybody, like it exposed some things uh, that maybe I thought I've dealt with or I didn't even know was there. Like I've been noticing my anxiety is like, I don't know, it's weird. Like I'm in a place of like anxiety, like more than ever. And so it's really made me really double down on protecting my peace and mm-hmm. and doing what is is fulfilling for me. So, so let me ask this. Do you, do you feel like anxiety is coming from not being able to get out like you normally would? Or do you think anxiety is coming from social media and kind of the pushback there? Um, I don't think it's really from the pushback from social media. I just think it's like, well, maybe so. Maybe the pressure of you should be talking about this. You should be saying this. Right. But I think it's just everything. I mean, being in, I mean, you're in Texas, so it's like, you know, Tristan with his sports, right? I'm a coach. So we're trying to figure out, okay, do we play? Do we not play? And I mean, obviously with business things, things have changed. So, and you know, you have mouths to feed that you're responsible for. So it's just a lot of stuff. And it's like, I want to take a break, but also I know I can't take a break too. So trying to figure out that has been like- Yeah, and that was the thing when everyone first went into quarantine, there was so much stuff of like, you know, um, quarantine and chill, or like, we're just going to sort of hang out until this is over. And man, if you are an entrepreneur in this world, you can't, you literally cannot, or you will not have a business. And I am the queen of like having cash and having like reserves and savings and all these things, but it doesn't matter because we are living in a world right now that if you are not producing, this is going on for so long, you'll be out of business, which is terrifying like you said if you're supporting other people and I do find it so interesting because every single person that I know who is a creator on social who is an influencer in any capacity whether they are white black Asian American doesn't matter everybody is feeling this pushback of you should be saying more you should be speaking faster you should be you should have an opinion on every single thing that's going on in the world, you should have an answer for me. Like it's almost like everyone being on social in such big waves sort of made people like, it feels, I have felt at times, like, I'm like, am I crazy? Do you know, like, have you felt (laughs) like that with your people where you're like, you guys, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's wild. I am hearing this from everybody that I know who creates content. Yeah, and the thing that I tell, and this might not be like the most positive thing to tell people, but I'm just like, you know, we live in a council culture right now. And it's like, if you want to counsel me for not saying nothing, my always thing is like, show me the way. Like, why aren't you saying something? Right. Like, I have a responsibility to talk about certain things that's on my heart to talk about. It's not my job to talk about everything in the world if I don't feel led to. Because right. then it's a pushback either way, right? right? Like, if you speak, they might push back on that. If you don't say something, they're going to push back on that. So I tell people, do what's pure for you because at the end of the day your truth is what matters right and i keep going back to this um you know i've talked about this a little bit but so many things that were happening um socially were happening right in the midst of dave and i breaking up and nobody knew that and so i was not in a place emotionally where i could put anything out into the world let alone thoughtful um like inside, like I just, I, w- I wasn't on social at all. And so the 
maybe the perspective for my audience and I understand why was you're not speaking about these things that really matter. And that's deeply hurtful to us because you're not talking about these things, but it truly was, I'm crying on a floor right now. Like I don't have the ability to do anything. And I was so, um, I was so sad and, um, angry with myself for like not being better, not being stronger, not being able to have these conversations. And then I thought, you know what? you're allowed to have a moment to grieve right now and let, let my life be my legacy. Like allow my work to be what represents me, not a single well-written post on social media, because I feel like a lot of influencers and businesses right now are sort of checking that box. They're like saying what people want them to say. And then immediately on Monday morning, they went right back to the way things were. And so it feels to me like, man, if we could just, if people would allow a little grace to like, let us slowly, all of us as humans wrap our minds around the new world that we live in and what this looks like and how we move forward from here. Um, it's, it's crazy. This feels, it feels super crazy. How is being at home, three kids, Maria, like, do you have your own space? Are you able to sort of like escape and kind of go to your own? I know we're all well, laughing. So like, what? Right. Yeah. So I have an office space, but I'm actually getting rid of it. Um, but that's where I would kind of go. But mm-hmm. even with there, it's like, man, I felt like Maria's here, right, with the kids. So like, I'm working, but I have some guilt. Like, man, like, you know. So I have my office space here, but obviously, I, I was like, you need to do a training video on like uh, how to focus and do Zoom calls and everything going on in the background. And so, uh, but I've learned to just push through it. And so it's been tough with the kids. I think at first, you know, not being able to get out, not being able to, able to have an energy release for them and ourselves, and and so we've tried to put some things in place to help us. And yeah. I think we've kind of adjusted a bit now, but um, you know, it's it's not been easy. No, that's for sure for nobody. And I think it is so crazy. Like, let's just speak as parents for a minute. It is so crazy to me that all over the place, all over the world, parents are working from home with their kids trying to do third grade work <laughs> on a zoom call with their teacher behind. like it's wild I, the, it's and i'm i so if you're listening to this both trent and i are in texas and so i you know texas is a little bit like you know we, we got our shotguns and our whatever yeah. you can't tell us what to do so part of me was like I'm like as liberal as they come, but I'm like, if these Texans are trying to make these kids go back to school, I am for it. I am <laughs> sure. Let's go, these cowboys. And I really thought we we're going to be able to go back to school, and we're not. And I'm so freaking sad because it's just, oh, I know. Like, do you, I feel like I'm like pulling my hair out. It's so crazy trying to get these kids to do work and do your own work at the same time. I mean, whether you're writing a book or you have something you're creating, you need focus. And like one little bit like of something that takes away from your attention could steal that whole flow process, you know, yes. and go out the window. Yes. And so, you know, with school, you know, Tristan, he's easy. Like he's a good learner. He can do it by himself. But the problem now is like we haven't made a decision for Maya because she's at that age. You know, she's four at that right. age, like that she needs community, you know, yes. and I'm not a teacher. Maria's <laughs> not a teacher. So right. it's like okay, what do we do? You know, yeah. and it's just, ah, it's tough. You know, I don't know we, we made a decision on that yet, but it's like, you know, I just think, I don't know how long this is going to last, but I just, 
I know there's going to be some type of repercussion to the kids growing up in this generation. Don't you think? As far as education-wise, you know? I 100%. I am I'm like, the repercussions of this will be so long for our kids. Because number one, how does this change education in general? Like, do you realize, oh, well, maybe now I just do my education sort of on, you know, a phone call or whatever. But also, I'm so fascinated to see how this affects, this is maybe, I may be being weird, but I even think like, how does this affect their immune system? Right. So like if you have little kids that would normally be in preschool right now and for a year, they don't go out in public, which means they're not exposed to germs. And so they don't like that kind of stuff. Like what are the things that will affect us for years to come that we're not even we can't even see yet? Because I think we're already like both you and I, our businesses have been drastically affected. You know, there was a time what six months ago, you and I are like crying (laughs) to each other about how much we're on the road. And now I'm like, I would freaking pay someone to let me go on the road right now. (laughs) Like, I will go anywhere on a business trip right now. That would be so fun. It is so tough, like, trying to do, you know, just luckily I've been able, I mean, you two with your cell phone, be able to inspire people. So it's kind of still home for me, but it's not the same as as being in front of people. So these speeches is like, I'm like trying to like prepare myself. It's just, it's tough, but. It's funny how God answers prayers sometimes in the weirdest ways, right? Totally. <laughs> totally. I think that, um, I mean, I can't tell you the last time there, there was 18 months and not on purpose. I sort of fell into this, but there was 18 months where I was on the road every week and that's yeah. awful. That's no way to live. And so to have had, to have been at home since March, like there are the negative parts of that. Right. But there also are like, man, there's beauty in the time to recommit to what matters, to be with the kids. Like there is goodness in the season, even though it's been, it's been hard at times. Did you write the new book in, in quarantine or you edited it? Uh, Edited it. So it was done before quarantine. Okay. So tell me, tell us, tell all of us about the new book. Yeah. So it's called Straight Up and it's targeted to young adults. Uh, I wanted to do you know, in my book deal, I wanted to definitely do a book that was targeted to young adults and just a book that's like not the the corny advice that we got growing up about certain topics. Like, this is why you don't do this, but it wasn't like the real reason. So I'm being straight up about 52 different things. Um, it's broken down to 12 sections. So, I mean, from everything from relationships to mental health, uh, from dreams and goals. And uh, if you like, and I'm not just saying this, but like, I know I love The Greatest You. I think that was a great book. But this book is like me. So, like, I just feel like if you watch my videos, you're like, okay, yeah, I feel like Trent straight up in this, straight in this book. So, I think it's going to help a lot of people. That's awesome. But it's aimed at teenagers? Is that right? Yeah, just young adults. I I, I think, I I think uh, from, so Tristan's read it. So, he's, what, 11? So, I think anywhere from where you can read and understand all the way to probably like 25. Mm. But I really feel like it's for adults too. I mean, maybe some of the parallels you might be like, oh, it's kind of kiddish, but I've given some adults this book and the takeaways are great too. That's awesome. And you started, isn't like, wasn't your first speech ever? You were like speaking to kids. (laughs) Tell that. Absolutely. Like that was my circuit. It was schools because I was like, I was trying to speak anywhere. So I would just hit up coaches, teachers, and oftentimes it was elementary schools. And yeah, that first speech was like 
seemed like 20,000 kids, but it's probably like 3,000 or something like that or two. And it was tough because it taught me how to be straight up because, you know, with kids, you, you can't, you can't fluff, you can't talk, you know, big words and not going to understand it. So you just got to be real. And so it taught me that, but it also taught me that, you know, a lot of things I went through in my life, um, you know, I wish I would have had, and my parents are great, by the way, like they told me a lot, but I, w- I wish I would have just had some more straight up talk that probably would have helped me not make some of the mistakes that I made. Mm-hmm. And there, there's all of these studies about the power of kids having mentors in their lives that are not their parents, yeah. because we listen to things in totally different ways if they come from someone besides, you know, mom or dad who's telling us Absolutely. exactly what we're supposed to do. Do you have a lot of I said, kids, like, do you have a lot of younger kids in your community or is it mostly like their moms love you and then they're like, you need to go listen yeah. to this guy? I think... I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. I, mean, I think the moms definitely, but uh, you know, obviously with TikTok. Yeah. Snapchat, oh, so you're on. You're uh, killing. Tic- you're killing the TikTok game. Well, I just, I just started. Just, like, I feel like you would. Be I, I've been on it, but yeah. I just really started. That's good. <laughs> no, those kids month. are gonna love you. Are you kidding? Yeah. I I jumped on it like months ago, and then in the world that I'm currently in, I just haven't been on any social. But um, I love TikTok, and I love TikTok for kids today because I feel like. Instagram is this sort of picture perfect. Everything has to look a certain way. And I feel like TikTok is like, come as you are, which I just love. That's what our youth needs is something that just says like, hey, whatever you are, whatever you're into, like there's a place for you here. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm loving it. And it's simple. That's 15 seconds. Right. (laughs) And I feel like um, also the best current platform, if you just want to mindlessly like not do anything you just want to scroll like tiktok is the jam absolutely how, how have you liked having a podcast i loved it yeah um and i still i said loved it like it's past tense <laughs> i love it <laughs> um it's been a way for me i think a therapy release it's been a way for me to communicate in long form and say the things that maybe i can't say on social media because i don't have the time mm-hmm. and um and i just feel like it's connected me to it's been more of a relationship with me with my audience, I feel like, you know, so I love it. Honestly, it's like anytime I'm going through something, I'm like, okay, how can I not just talk about it for myself, but how can I allow my situation to help other people? So it's been therapy and also, I guess, education for other people. Um, and what kind of conversations for people who are listening who haven't gotten a chance to listen to your podcast? Like, what are you talking about on there? <sighs> Everything. Um, I would say, you know, anything from mindset stuff, Obviously, some, I mean, you want to use the word personal development stuff, but just relationships, friendships. Obviously, we went through the time with, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter and equality. I have, I think, three or four episodes on that. I'm interviewing my dad, just different people. And um, I just feel like you need just some real talk and feel like maybe it's like your homeboy just talking to you straight up. Yeah. I think a lot of people would like it. Yeah. What were the conversations or the topics that you wanted to dig into most regarding? all of that um with the equality and everything so a lot actually yeah i'm sure Uh, well well, this was the thing so when it happened uh, it was such a tough time because obviously when things happened you know people will be like hey you need to talk about this and it's stuff that i mentioned like i'm not an activist obviously but it's stuff that i mentioned kind of throughout my career with speaking like in 2016 things that happened in dallas you know, I talked about these things and for my audience, I wanted them to understand 
Like, cause sometimes if it doesn't, if it's not on our front doorstep, if it doesn't affect our lives, then we really don't worry about it. Yeah. And so I want to show them like, Hey, like I've been through these things, you know, I've experienced, you know, uh, equality, I've experienced profiling. And I just challenge people like, if that was me, how would you feel? <laughs> and the thing that I want to address the most is selflessness. Like at the end of the day, if we live in a community or in a world where it's like, we're only worried about ourselves. If we're, if we're living in a world where it's only, or what about me? Because that happened too. Because I have people here, well, I'll go through this or I went through this. It's what about me? What about me? If we live in that type of world, we will never fix what needs to be fixed. And our kids, and this is what really drives me, like I worry about Tristan. I worry about Maya and Marley, the world they're going to grow up in. Yeah. And so I got to make sure I do my part to be able to say, listen, black, white, brown, different economic status, whatever. At the end of the day, we came this world the same way and we leave this yeah. world the same way. Yeah. So let's get to know each other. Let's have these hard conversations because yeah. we've all been through things. Like we've had conversations where I've learned things about you that I didn't know and mm-hmm. vice versa. And I think that's what it takes to be able to, you know, come together and have some understanding. Absolutely. Do you feel like people receive that well? Um, some people unfollow me. Yeah. Well, good. We didn't want those people anyway. Yeah, I was like, you know. Yeah, I always, I always feel like those are, and th- this sort of goes back to something you were saying earlier about whatever, if you're listening to this, it's like whatever it is that you believe in, that's the conversation that you need to be elevating and having. Because there are conversations that like, I will battle to the death over this topic because I'm so passionate about it. And the same goes for you. But when people are asking or not even asking, typically they're demanding that everyone speak to the topic that is most passionate in their heart. It's like, yes, as there are some influencers who will comment on every single thing that is happening in the world, all over the world, because they sort of, they feel like that they're required to. But I think that that loses its power because if you are talking about every single thing that's happening, it to me sort of becomes noise that your audience is not even picking up. But if you know that these are the things that the person you follow is passionate about, that it's like inclusivity, LGBTQ, elevating black voices, like I will battle to the death over that because I believe in it so much. And if you unfollow me because you hear me say that I believe that someone who is transgendered or gay deserves the same equality that you, then great. I don't want you in this community anyway, because we're never going to see eye to eye because we disagree on this topic. So I think there's something really powerful about really fighting for the stuff that you believe in most. And I, I just find it wild that people would be surprised that a black man would have a strong opinion about Black Lives Matter. People are crazy. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't get it. And you know, the funny thing about a lot of influencers, like you said, like, I'm not a trendy influencer. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not a person that follows the trends just because I know it's going to give me popularity, or I know it's going right. to give me some views. And that's not what I stand for and represent. And the thing that I told, you know, because I've had people hit me up, like, even with you, they're like, uh, is Rachel going to say anything or yeah. whatever? And I'm just like, yeah. it's her life. I was like, and I said, look at the fruit of her life. Like, to me, that speaks anything more than a post, anything, any statement I can put out is look at the fruit of my life. Yeah. Like, see what I'm around, see what I represent. And I tell people all the time, it's like, I want to see the fruit. You can talk all you want, but let me see the fruit of your life. 
And that shows what you truly care about. Well, and I think this is this idea of like being in real community with people. Um, I, Beans found out that I was getting divorced because she called me to ask me why I had not commented on what was going on. That's how my best friend found out that I was getting divorced because that is the relationship that we have where she is like, because she didn't know what was going on. So she's like, Hey, I'm just checking in. Cause it feels odd that you're not commenting on what's happening. And I was like, Wah! you know, and that's yeah. how I'm telling her what is happening in my life. But I also think that this is the power of having friends who don't think, act, love, vote, believe, look like you look or any of those other things because she did come, she not knowing what was going on. She that's that's the role that she plays in my life. What are you doing, ma'am? Why are you not speaking on this thing? And I'm like, this is what's happening. I'm really struggling in life right now. So how it was more um it's more important to me that my best friend holds me accountable and knows who I am in my heart than 2 million people on social media do, you know? Absolutely. Um, and, and I really do keep coming back to this thing of like, I can understand how me not being more vocal about everything that was happening um, was hurtful to some people. I fully understand. And if that means that you have to unfollow me because you were hurt by, I, I own that. But I go back to this idea of like, let let me do the work. Let my life be the legacy. Let me keep showing up. Let me keep learning. Let me keep elevating. Let me let, allow that. And you will see what you're looking for. It's just not going to be perfectly packaged and written by a publicist to sort of go out on social media. But I think, um, I do think about you and Maria. And I think about Tristan all the time of like, all of my friends. I mean, obviously you are a very dear friend of mine. Um, yeah. and you know, this, it, it could have easily been you, right? A yeah. million times it could have easily been you. And when you think of these young boys, it could have easily been Tristan. I like fucking hate saying that that's, that's hideous, but that is the reality. It could have been beans dad. It could have been beans brother. Like my friends who, the, the, I think that that's, I, I hate to say this, but I do think that oftentimes people, they, they, like you said, they don't connect it to somebody that they know. They make up stories about who that person was, or they try and make excuses yeah. for why that happened. Oh, well this, oh, you know, um, you know, with Brianna or with George or whatever, they're like, they make up these reasons for why that it's like, no, because it's not happening to white people. It's not, it's not in the same way. It's like beans had this sermon that she gave, when all of this was going on about um, the Aurora shooting. And like, if that man can walk into a movie theater and kill all those people and walk out in handcuffs, like he just shot the yeah. room up of people and he walked out in handcuffs alive, but someone can't get pulled over for a speeding or throwing a cigarette out a window or be asleep in her own apartment, not bothering anybody and like, it's not happening to white people. It's just not. Sorry, you don't need me to be on this freaking no, soapbox. Nah, you nah. know this. But this is, nah, this, is, this is the thing. I love that, that reminder for people. And I hope that they go listen to your podcast about this. Of like, these are real 
heartbreaking people. These are daughters and sisters and mothers and friends. And you have to make them a real person in your mind, or it is just going to be a statistic to you. And it's never going to fire you up because it's just a news report. It has to mean more to you than just like, it's sorry. No, you're good. (laughs) I, I, I I I told people this and I had to check myself because I'm always like that. Like I'm always going to look at myself and be like, okay, before I say anything, like what could I do better? And the quote that I was saying throughout this whole thing is that if you never see yourself as a part of the problem, then you'll never understand the power you have to be a part of the solution. Right. And the same lack of sensitivity that people were giving, like don't, what if, what if somebody gave you that? So I was thinking about like my mother, right? Say my mother, like maybe hopefully long, long, long way, but wear a cancer battle, maybe lose her battle. And what if other people was like, well, you know, it's just cancer. Other people have sicknesses and stuff like that. Like how would, you know, I would be, I would be angry. And mm-hmm. I told people like, how would you feel if something happened in your life and people just blew it over? I found reasons why it should have happened. Right. You would be, you would be furious. Yeah. So I was like, that's what you're doing when you're trying to justify something that you know you wouldn't want to happen in your own life. And I think when I started to explain it to people like that, they kind of, you know, put the mirror back on them. And it's like, you know what, you're right, Trent. Like, I never thought about it like that. Right. And, so, and that, yeah. and that's the thing is that people say, when people say Black Lives Matter, then the pushback is, well, all lives matter. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah, all lives do matter. But until Black lives have as much value in the eyes of America as white lives do, then we have to have this conversation about Black lives because it is not equal. It's not. And because these things are happening in such enormous rates and it's not just in terms of police brutality, it's also like the rate of women who, women of color who die in labor, whose babies die, like the um, how you were taken care of in a hospital setting or in the medical field. It's like across the board, it's the wage disparity. It's on every single level. And it's so crazy to me that people want to hold so tightly to this, like, um, like this idea of you, you'll talk about white privilege and white people are like, I'm, but I don't, I don't have money. I don't have access. I'm not privileged. I don't, I'm not carrying around privilege. And they miss the entire point of what it is that it is. There are a million microaggressions that I know have happened to you that have happened to beans that have happened to Rosie's like some of my best friends in the world that you've had to live with your entire life. Right. Absolutely. That I have not had to live with. And that is the definition of privilege that I don't, it, that that if you get pulled over or if Dave gets pulled over, that is a completely different experience because of the color of your skin. I still that have is- PTSD. We're, we're pulling over, like absolutely, like yeah. when the police. And, and, it, and it's not to say I have police friends, and I know a lot of great. And I always say, don't oh, label so many all by cops. some, right? So many good cops, exactly. 100%. But I still have, like, I worry. Like, even if I know I've done nothing wrong, I literally worry. You know, I'm just yeah. like, man, like, let me make sure everything is right because. These are conversations I have with my dad. Like yeah. my dad had to say, like, whether you're wrong or right, you got to respect authority because your job is to make it home. Right. Your job is to come back to this house. So you better not do certain things. And so that's always stuck with me. And it's just like, it's kind of a PTSD moment for me. I mean, I've had people pull me over and, you know, in, in Waco while I was at Baylor 
and for no particular reason. And they were like, and I had rims on my car and that's another situation too. And I get it like prejudging because maybe the stereotype fits. Like I understand stereotypes to the T, but I remember getting pulled over and the guy was like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm going back to school. And it's like, what school you go to? And I was like, a Baylor. And they were like, what are you really doing? Like, what do you, like, what do you have in the car? Like, what are you doing out here this late at night? I was like, I'm going back to school. And then once I showed them my school ID and said I played football, that's privilege in itself, right? Just the, that whole thing. That's a whole other story. But then he started to act different, right? The cops mm-hmm. didn't let me go. So it's little things like that. Or if I'm in a certain type of car, like, why are you in this car? Right. You know, so yeah, it's, 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 it's tough. And I mean, if I could share hours of just experiences sure. that, I, that I've had, that a lot of people don't understand why, why Black people are like fighting so hard, you know, for this, because it's not just one incident. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot of incidents they probably experienced or somebody that they know in their family that's experienced it. I mean, one of my best friends, you know, he got killed by the police in Fort Worth. And that was tough for me because Whoa. obviously he was in a position where he might shouldn't have been in that position, but also he wasn't in a position to get killed. And so there was so much pressure with me being in Fort Worth. And this was like three years ago. It was like training you to come here and speak out and all this stuff. But it's just like, dang. So those situations have affected me personally in my life Mm -hmm. also. So it's tough. And I mean, I think this is why if you're listening to this, man, I cannot explain enough how important it is to be in community, to do life, to be friends with people who are not like you, because it was probably five years ago, one of my girlfriends who had two sons who are teenagers, they're black, was explaining to me that from the time the boys were very little, they had taught them how to behave in when they were with police. If you get pulled over in a car, you keep your hands on the steering wheel. Yes, sir. No, ma'am. Like that from the time they were little, that this was part of how she raised her sons was how to be safe when a cop pulls you over. And again, this is the definition of privilege because I live in a world where police exist to protect me and keep me safe. And that is not the same world that you were raised in. I I had a friend tell me uh, on a podcast I was doing and uh, she was white and she was like, she never thought about it like that. She was like, when I get pulled over, I'm thinking like, I'm about to get out this ticket. (laughs) You know, Mm. like, that was her thing. Like, I'm going to probably get out this ticket. And me, I'm just like, I don't think I'm going to get killed. But I'm just like, man, like that thought of just even something happening, being there. Right. You know, it sucks. Man. Um, my commitment to this is to, and I, I want to keep saying it, I sort of keep saying it um, publicly, is that the the answer is not, because I know there are, for sure, a lot of white people who are listening to us have this conversation right now. And the answer is not to then reach out to Trent online or Beans or your Black friends and have them explain to you what you are supposed to do next. Because I think that that is a common reaction is sort of, you know, as a white person getting very flustered and you want to do the right thing. And so you go and you say, tell me what to do which again is putting the thing that I need to own, which is that I was raised in a country that taught me to be racist, whether I meant to be or not. So then that I need to take ownership of that. And I also need to take ownership of the journey to, because there's a difference in um, 
it's a big deal to say like, I'm not racist versus I am anti-racism. Those are two very different things. So what I would say right now is that the answer is not to DM Trent's not to go comment on his stuff and be like tell me what to read tell me what to watch tell me what to listen to there are there is literally so much content that exists right now for people to go consume you can listen to Trent's podcast like he said there are incredible books there are incredible documentaries there's so much that you can arm yourself with the knowledge do not make your journey and your evolution someone else's thing to figure out for you Because I do, and I don't know if that's your experience, but I have friends who are like, not like on social media, who are like, stop asking me to tell you what to do next, right? Like I had so many conversations, so many. And that's the question I want to ask you. Like, do you feel like it's, and this is me trying to understand from just from a white person's point of view, like, Mm -hmm. do you feel it's, it's I don't want to know because maybe it's going to make me feel uncomfortable or I don't know. Because I have a lot of people say like, I don't know what to do. And I'm just like, I don't think it's that hard, you know, yeah, just to. I, it's probably both. Yeah. Um, I really think that one of the best books that there's, there's two, one's a little bit easier, I think, than others. But um, White Fragility is an awesome book to read. Um, so, and then the one that is harder, but we should still read it. I, oh, I really struggled. And she says at the beginning, you will struggle reading this book is white supremacy and me, um, or me and white supremacy, me and white supremacy. Um, and each chapter in that book is broken down into these things that are just sort of explaining the why, um, that we feel the way that we do. But a big thing is that the idea of white fragility, if you're listening and you don't understand that concept is this idea that when white people learn about the black experience, they become fragile. They become sad. They lash out that, 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 that they internalize it as like, I'm bad or I'm wrong, or I don't know what to do. And they freak out. They like, can't handle the way that they're feeling or, or these, this sort of truth. So I think it's two things. I think it's one, when you start to read things, it's hard to consume. And how I, um, it, I, I want to be very careful and say that my commitment in this is I want to keep elevating the teachers who should be having these conversations, which is not me, a white woman. So I want to keep elevating voices who should be speaking on this. But from my perspective, I have challenged myself for the last couple of years to intentionally follow teachers and speakers that that challenge me. So um, the way that I sort of look at this, um, this is something that Beans taught me years ago, is that um, that it's sort of the difference between um, Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X. So Martin Luther King was speaking to everybody. So he's talking to white people and black people. This is, we're all in this together. Malcolm X was speaking to black people. He didn't give a yeah. fuck about white people. Yeah. He's speaking to black people. And so I intentionally follow teachers and speakers who are having those conversations, who are having more Malcolm X kind of conversations. Because when I found myself getting like, if, oh, my, oh, that bothers me. What the, and then I'm like, no, this is her experience. This is her yeah. story. This is her narrative. This is her truth. And her speaking her truth 
why in the world would that bother you? You should want to know what every other person is experiencing, even if it's uncomfortable. So I think it's both of those things. I think as you begin this journey, um, it's, you know, I don't think that we want to be faced with how we've fallen short, right? I think there's a lot of conversations going back all the way to civil rights movement time of like the most dangerous people in this conversation are white liberals who think that they're doing the right thing, who think that they're showing up in the right way and aren't. It takes a lot of like humility that I don't know that a lot of people have to admit that like whether you intended it or not, you're wrong. And are you willing to stay in conversation even if it feels painful to you? And even if it's challenging so that you can understand better. And like, this is, the, I, I think this this is the most important, like, man, if you are in community, uh, no matter what, no matter who you are, if you're in a community and everybody in your community is just like you, you are missing it. Because Absolutely. I don't think I'm anywhere near the woman that I want to become. I'm like nowhere near the activist I want to become. I'm no, I'm not even close. Like, I feel like I'm just, every day I'm just like, but I'm indefinitely miles further down the road than I would be if I didn't have friends of different cultures, of different sexual orientations, coming from different places, coming from different religions. So yeah, I think, I think it's both. I think people don't know and I think they get scared and I think they don't want to hear that they've done something wrong. And so they, you know, we, we just sort of, put our heads under the head under the covers and hope that it'll go away. And it does a lot of times, you know, it doesn't for, for that. That's the reality is that for white people, we do have the privilege of like looking away and looking at something else and not having to face this thing. Um, And I, and I think it's, it's not just, this is like sort of, all over the place too. It's like, if you're listening to this and you're straight and you have feelings about people who are LGBTQ, like that to me, that always just says like, man, you don't know anybody who is in that group of people. Cause if, you know, like, I feel like every, every fit, maybe not yours, but like, I feel like everybody I knew grew up with like one gay uncle. Right. Like, did you, right. Like there was like one <laughs> member of the family that yeah. like had lived I'm trying to with think. his roommate yep. for like 40 years. Right. And they would come to barbecues and you'd be like, yeah. oh, okay. Um, but if you didn't grow up with that, if you had no perspective, then it's easy to hate what you don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's why I try my best to always just understand, even if I can't relate, trying to understand and put myself in their shoes. Right. And that's just all across the board. I don't think we, we do a good enough job as society in doing that. I feel like we we sit inside our bubble and we don't want our bubble to be popped. We don't want our bubble to be disturbed. And it's just, okay, it's good. But, you know, the thing I think happened this year is you couldn't ignore it. Like, mm-hmm. this came to everybody's front doorstep. Like, mm-hmm. you had to either, you know, I'm going to say say something, but you had to at least, you couldn't really turn your cheek. You have to actually see this. Right. And I just hope that all across the board, that people can be look at people with compassion and just live the principle of love thy neighbor as you love yourself. Right. And I just think the world would be a lot better place if we operated like that. Can I ask? I'm curious. So, um, like, and be be straight up with me, be Trent Shelton, my friend. Um, 
when this was happening, so um, obviously I'm very close to Beans and Rosie, who you know. Um, my instinct was to reach out to you mm-hmm. or to reach out to Stacy. was to like check in with my friends who are my friends, but not like my best friends in the whole world and see how you were doing. But then I honestly didn't because then I was like, does that like, does that feel like how dare I even check in with Trent? Because then I'm, I don't, I don't know. And so I'm curious if like, as my friend, if you felt like, you would have liked me to have handled it different with you. No, I felt I always, and I didn't know what was going on in your life. Yeah. Right. But I know your fruit. Like, I, like, again, I know who you are. And so I, I always think about this. I know it. I know what you stand for. I know what you represent. So I don't feel like an obligation. Like you got to hit me up and be like, are you okay? Yeah. Um, but I do know who you are too in that. So I was like, you know, maybe Rachel is, you know, she has a lot going Mm -hmm. on and I know I am as a person like yeah sometimes I just I'm an introverted person so like some things are just too high emotionally and obviously you were going through something so nah I didn't I didn't uh feel a certain type of way about it you know I guess just to be honest like what made it kind of when people was reaching out to me or like oh what are you know what's Rachel doing yeah and I was like a lot of people had that I was like I was like it's it's like obviously she's gonna respond when she wants to respond like and move on from it or I didn't even respond to that. So I just, yeah, I guess, yeah, that's my two cents about it. So I, I know there, you as a person. You, yeah. But do you feel like, is there a way uh, I, I'm just thinking of this from like, if there are people listening who have a similar experience of like, how do you like, obviously it's a whole other conversation, how people with a platform show up in this time period. But yeah. how do, if you're listening to this and you have people in your life that you love very much who are black and you are white and you are like, how do I be supportive in a way that doesn't feel like I'm making this about me or I'm being fragile or like, is there a way that you feel like, man, if someone did this or someone did do this and it, I appreciated that, that tact of checking in with me. Not that you can like speak for everybody, but I'm just curious. You are an introvert, so I don't know if you're the person. Yeah, so I, I'm just I, like, I didn't want to make this is gonna. I'm, I'm just be straight up. I didn't want to make it about me, you know. Like I, it was about George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, all these other people um, that have been, you know, wrongfully murdered. And so for me, it wasn't like I get it checking up on me, cool. But I would rather you check your own life and fix something, do something, you know, and, and, and contribute that way because that's the lasting change because just sending a text and saying, hey, you good? And right. then you go back to not doing anything, right. that doesn't solve anything. So for me, it was like, hey, I'm good. But like, let's make sure, you know, you do whatever it is that's on your heart to do mm-hmm. to, you know, further this conversation or, you know, give back. Because a lot of people often think too, and this is a side note that, you have to speak on social media when I know there's people that didn't say a word on social media that did more than a lot of people that I know offline. Right. And so uh, that was my whole thing. It was like, I don't want to make this about me and I'm good, but let's see how we can come together and and fix some stuff. One of the conversations that I've had with Bean, so she just had her book come out last week. Um, One of the conversations that she's been having is also for people to not 
make this the only conversation that you are having with Black artists, creators, writers, speakers, because her book is not about, I mean, she definitely speaks about growing up as a Black woman in America, but that's not what her book's about. And so this has happened and it's like the only conversation that people want to have with her, which she's like, man, I love that, you know, people want to have this conversation, but please, like there are incredible business owners, artists, creatives, whatever, who are doing work that has literally nothing to do with the color of their skin, who happen to be black. Like, can you talk to them about the work that they're doing and not have that be the only conversation that, that they're having? Absolutely. I can relate to that 100% because as Beans was saying, there's, you know, even if it's, you know, one of the challenges that I gave to people was, you know, using your privilege. And this is not just race privilege, but just even with me, like there's people on social media because, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big figure on social media. I obviously have, I will have privilege to certain things other people wouldn't have. And so I was like, how can I bring somebody else up or shine a light on someone else that would never have the opportunity? And so I think it's, I was challenging people to pretty much do the same thing when it came to their life. Like, look at your business, look at your personal life, and how can you uplift somebody that might not have had the opportunity that you had, or because of maybe their color, they might not get the respect that they deserve, and uplift them and shine the spotlight on them and their gifts and their talents and their crafts. I think that's more important than anything, you know, at the end of the day. I love that. I have, um, in my new place, I have, um, I like printed out a bunch of pictures and I moved because yeah. I like just wanted some framed pictures in my house. Um, and I have a picture of all of us on the stairs in bathrobes in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes me so happy every time I see it. Um, I have like- That was a great time. It was so much fun. Um, I can't wait till we can all hang out again. I miss you. I miss Maria. Maria's like literally the funniest human like secretly one of the funniest yeah. people <laughs> I have ever met. That's the problem. She, she doesn't, doesn't even know. <laughs> She's so funny. We, I'm not even kidding, Trent. We will be on like calls, like with Beans and Rosie and Sam and we'll be, we'll, and then someone will just be like, remember that time that Maria said, <laughs> she's so funny. I cannot wait until we can all be together again, hanging out in real life. Can I ask you a question? On the, uh, yeah, of course. Well, for one, I need you on my podcast when you're ready. Yes. So, Hello. I feel like we can probably arrange that. I know the producer. And, and um, maybe I should ask you with that, but I want to ask you that same question. Um, maybe, and obviously, you know, say what you want to say and talk about as much as you want to talk about. But like the same question you asked me about reaching out, did you have an expectation for me to reach out to you when all this stuff happened? No, I think um, when it first happens, like I was saying kind of at the beginning, I was really surprised. I felt like people crawled out of the woodwork and I didn't feel like most of them had the right heart about it. It felt kind of like, I'm here, I'm I'm here to talk. I want to, and it, it just felt like, why, we've never had an intimate conversation. Why would I have yeah. one with you now? So it, I, it, um, you actually have been such a good friend because you just reach out and tell me that you're praying for me. And that's, that's all anyone can do. The The messages that have meant the most to me in this time, honestly, like you've done this, Lisa does this. Um, 
where people just say, or uh, Mally does this, they'll, they'll send me a note and they say, don't respond, yeah. which I just really appreciate. Cause it's like, I don't need anything back from you. I just want you to know that I'm praying for you today or I'm thinking about you. And those have been the ones that I really loved. Um, like just, um, Dean has been really, a really incredible friend. You know, both of us love him, but he like, just people who are just like, Hey, don't send me nothing back, but know that, know that I'm here. And I think obviously when you've been with someone, as long as Dave and I have been together, all our friendships are interwoven, right? Like yeah. both of us are friends with all of our friends. And so I think that that's a really, um, interesting thing for people to navigate is like, Oh, how do I, you know, show up for both these people? And I would say if you're listening to this and you have someone in your life, like that's been the best is my best girlfriends. Those are my, like, those are my peeps. Those are who I talk to. Those are who I cry to. But the other people like my, you know, it would not be appropriate for me to call you and be like, Jen, you know, yeah. so just, just the people who just said like, Hey, I'm thinking about you. That's like the best thing that I think anyone can do in this time period. And I'm trying to be really um, honest and not pretend that I'm better than I am, which is very weird as a, as with someone who's on social media or has a platform. Cause you know, you and I, we want to put positivity out into the world. We want to lift people up. And so it's very hard or awkward to sort of be like, I want to be present for my community. I've been online with these people for a decade and now I'm not posting because I'm crying today and I don't want them to have to carry that. And so, you know, if you look at my social, I haven't been posting a ton. And what I am posting is like, here's my dog, you know, <laughs> it's like, I, they're not maybe what people are, are used to seeing from me, but I'm trying really hard to be honest. So like when my friends hit me up and they say, how are you doing? I say, I'm okay. Yeah. I'm not good. I'm not great. I know that I will be someday, but today I'm just okay. And that's, you know, that it is what it is because I think it would be so disingenuous for me to pretend like it's all good when it's not. And it will be someday, but right now I'm just okay. Well, we appreciate you. And I want to tell you that. And even your vulnerability um, and just transparency, you know, we appreciate it. And I'm just going to tell you this, uh, whether we have this on here or not, um, it's okay to take time for yourself during this time. I mean, you yeah. served everybody, you've been there for everybody, you've committed all this time. And this is for you. This is where people need to, you know, be there for you with love and support. So yeah. um, we appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, man. I, I appreciate you too. I'm so super blessed that you're my real life friend. Like I, I am genuinely so blessed by you and Maria and someday. <laughs> well, I'll hang out with you. <laughs> Well, I'll hang out. We'll be at a real live event. We'll be backstage. And we'll be so excited to like be at an event again. San Diego, right? That'll, yes. that'll be our thing. And you know what? That is going to be the most epic event of all time because it has been pushed and people have been waiting. And when we come back together, it's going to be so. When is it going to take place next year? It's right. in summer of 21. Yeah. I can't, June or July. I can't remember the dates. I think maybe July. But, um, and that, that was like so sad and so hard to move those. I mean, you know how much heart we put into those events and yeah. to disappoint people sucked. And, um, I just, you know, I feel like we all need it right now too. 
Um, hey, Trent, if people are listening, I can't believe anybody doesn't know where to find you because you have like 10 million followers, something bananas like that. But where can they hang out with you online? So at Trent Shelton, anywhere, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, just put in my name, I'll pop up. Awesome. And the podcast is straight up. Straight up. Straight up. Uh, the book is straight it's up. Straight up. <laughs> and it comes out today. So this is airing yep. on the day the book comes out. Um, and yeah, I want to be, I totally want to be on your podcast. Let's set it up. Let's do it.